Welcome to Winning Slowly, a podcast about culture, technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Carradine. Today, we are going to talk about art and religion. In particular, we're going to talk about some movies. Right now, or very, very shortly in some case, there are three movies out which represent sort of three poles which doesn't actually make any sense now that I think about it, but we're going to run with it anyway, and we're going to pretend that the world has three poles, north, south, and somewhere else. Three poles! That's exactly it. And uh, these three movies, one of them is called Noah, starring Russell Crowe, and kind of a big deal. One of them is called Son of God, came out a few weeks ago, basically a depiction of the life of Jesus, done a bit more fancifully than a number of these have been. And another that's either just come out or is just about to come out is called God's Not Dead. And, well, we thought these would be an interesting jumping-off point for a discussion of Christianity and the arts. So these three films all take a very different stance towards Christianity. So Darren Aronofsky, he of Black Swan fame, is the director behind Noah. Uh, there's a lot of Hollywood actors and actresses in it. It's going to be a big production. It's going to be an epic, but potentially not in the Cecil B. DeMille sort of epic. It's going to be a little fantastical. It's going to be a piece of art, whereas um, The Son of God is more of a faithful depiction of you know, the Gospels. Like This is going to be a religious film. Um, and then thirdly, God's Not Dead is is basically a tract in visual form. Um, it's There's not really any um, artistic efforts in terms of crafting a, uh, a piece of art, for lack of a better term. And I think we're going to end up being kind of redundant on this phrase, this word, uh, art and piece of art, um, because it's just a very difficult uh, distinction between these three different things. And so that's what we're going to try to suss out for this whole uh, podcast here is, is how do we navigate what it means to be a piece of art, what it means to be a piece of religious art, um, and what it means to just be a religious piece of media. Right. So kind of moving from the piece that interests us least to the piece that interests us most, it was immediately clear to both Stephen and me that God's Not Dead was really our least favorite thing about the Christian quote-unquote art world. Though, again, I should qualify right from the get-go, as we talked about several episodes ago with the Christian publishing industry, the very fact that we get to have this conversation is kind of ridiculous and great, in that we have an enormous degree of privilege of being able to argue about the quality of Christian art and what's going on in that sense. Lots of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have that privilege. That's very true. We also need to qualify that we have not seen any of these films. Any of these hurts movies. Us, <laughs> hurts us deeply. Um, but we are taking measures to address that and other concerns of that variety, which we will talk about in future episodes. Um, but from what we have, we have press materials and trailers and... Um, all of the you know media that these films have put out about themselves. So the message that they're trying to project from themselves. 
So we're not basing it off of the quality or the interior contents of the film, but literally the message that they're trying to project to the world. So we look at God's Not Dead. And, well, the the title of the movie alone starts to give us an idea of where they're going with this. And the messaging, the really obnoxious trailer that plays on Spotify because I'm not a Spotify premium subscriber, tells us exactly where they're going. And it is, frankly, laborious and tiresome. It is heavy on emotional responses to caricatures of atheistic professors and college students saying, no, I think God really is alive. And then we cut to the newsboys. And, well, again, it it feels laborious and tiresome to me. But the question is, why does it feel laborious and tiresome to me? Because undoubtedly, there's a very large segment of the Christian market that's going to go out and see this. No one would be bankrolling it if that weren't the case. Yeah, and it's going to be encouraging to a sect of the population, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be, you know, not a bad piece of work. Um, Right. But in terms of art and what we're trying to see as Christian art, both Chris and I don't think that this is really how Christian art should work. Um, Even though I'm almost certain we're going to get a clear presentation of the gospel. We're going to have some, you know, atheist myths, um, whether or not there's a modicum of truth in them. Um, (laughs) I don't know the specific ones, but, um, you know, we're going to get a presentation of Christianity versus atheism. Right. I just, I just don't know if that's a piece of art, you know? Right. And I think that definitional issue is kind of crucial here. Uh, there are a number of places to come at the issue, and from a literature perspective, Francis Schaeffer's book on the subject is helpful, and C.S. Lewis, of course, is always helpful, as is J.R.R. Tolkien. And Lewis yeah, and Tolkien actually—say what? I said on fairy stories. Yes, on fairy stories is one of the most important pieces of Christian thought on the arts that was written in the 20th century. And it's been one of the most significant in shaping my own thinking on the matter. Uh, Both Mm -hmm. Lewis and Tolkien make the point, and Schaefer picked this up and ran with it, that for a piece of artwork to have value in a Christian sense, it doesn't need to be a tract. And in fact, it's being a tract, or it's being merely a message item, can in fact detract from, heh, tract and detract, great, can Uh, detract from the efficacy of the piece as a work of art. And the reason for that is because art and the arts, generally speaking, now this is true of movies and this is true of books, but it's also true of statues and pottery and dance and composition and all sorts of things. Yep. Uh, The arts are means of communicating things that aren't necessarily propositional statements, but what God's Not Dead is doing is communicating propositional statements and using a story to kind of get at that, but it's really about communicating propositional statements. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, the first thing that you're taught in communications is always put things in a narrative, you know, give people a story to follow, and... You know, this doesn't mean that this is a bad piece of communication, but it really is a piece of religious communication. Right. Um, just in the same way that the, you know, Ken Ham versus Bill Nye speech debate was a piece of religious communication. And that 
you know, that doesn't mean that it's bad. Like we've already said, there's going to be plenty of people who enjoy this and they are encouraged by it. But in terms of being taken seriously by, you know, the art world, like this is not going to cut it. This is not going to pass. Right. <laughs> right. And that's just the, the nature of the beast is that this type of thing will not pass. Like this is the same thing with, you know, um, uh, defeating the giants or whatever that similar movie was. And these sorts of things are, you know, not going to qualify in the realms of people who are paying attention to how art, art is made and what art means and what art says as art. So if that's the conversation that they're trying to enter, which frankly, I don't think it is. And that doesn't mean no. it's bad. Um, doesn't mean it's bad at all, but I don't think they're trying to enter the art conversation. Um, it's just the fact that movie theaters play multiple types of movies that makes this get lumped in as maybe even potentially art. Right. So, one of, um, you go. One of the points Lewis made that I found interesting is that art really ought to be something that challenges you. And that's where this falls flat, really, because the point of this movie isn't to challenge its audience. It's not to take them out of themselves and cause them to experience or think about or feel things that they would not otherwise. It is, at its most basic, a, attempting to reinforce what they already feel. It is attempting to reassure them that what they already feel is indeed valid and accurate and true. And right. that's where the other two films in different ways, are moving, in one case, somewhat more, and in another case, much more in that direction. Right. So, some thoughts on Son of God and Noah in that vein. Right. So I was reading Brett Lott's book on being a writer, on being a Christian, um, on the the plane trip here. I'm actually broadcasting remotely for myself um, from Indianapolis, but... Um, I was reading his book on the way up here, and he has a long discussion about Flannery O'Connor. Brett Lott is a, a Christian mm. who's also a very successful literary author. Um, he's on the uh, various like national boards of arts and things. And so um, very esteemed novelist, but also a Christian who starts out his, his memoir with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and proceeds through the whole Christian creed. Um, so like, this is a guy who believes very deep— sounds like a book that deep... needs to be on my reading list. Yeah, I was going to recommend it to you, but I thought I'd just do it publicly. Um, but uh, so it's 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 very like very grounded in Christian practice. But it's a very long discussion on Flannery O'Connor because she's kind of what he says the patron saint of Christian art, um, and how she depicts the way that religion works in people's lives. But if you've ever read anything by Flannery O'Connor, they're they're very violent, they're very dark in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but there's always this undergirding of uh, of hope, of transformation, of redemption, um, and so that's where he really sees like the Christian and the art coming together. Um, and I think I'm jumping ahead a little bit um, towards looking towards Noah, but I think there's even some of that going on in Son of God. In that, um, I mean, obviously there's the explicit sort of redemption narrative that Jesus' life goes through. That's the whole point of Jesus's life is a redemption right. narrative, but there's also the, you know, the the minor effects of seeing the people see Jesus and like those mini stories that you can take away. Mm-hmm. I think those are just incredibly valuable. One of the questions that I find interesting is as we look at Son of God, it struck both of us as being much more on the art spectrum 
than does mm. God's Not Dead. But in some sense, that's a little surprising because Son of God is, I mean, it's it's almost like a gospel tract, to use the same word yeah. we used of God's Not Dead a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think the difference is? What do you think makes it look so different in that sense? Again, just going off of the stuff that they've presented, they're, sh- they're framing it in a different light. So they're not framing it as explicitly about the gospel, which I know is difficult to conceive of as you're, you know, it's about <laughs> in a movie Jesus, about Jesus, the son right. of God. Yeah, but they're not, they're not really casting it in that light, nor are the, the, the blog posts that I've read about it, they're not really casting like the weight of Christianity upon this, you know, there's no like great watershed. This is the great white hope sort of thing. You know, it's, it's, this is a version of the Bible. This is a a vision that we had of how it should be portrayed visually. And so I think that in that kind of humility, that modesty of aim Instead of trying to take on like we will convert the whole world, <laughs> it 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 just says this is the life of Jesus. This is what happened, in our opinion. And I think that in our opinion part is mm. is the the biggest bit. Um, not that they're saying that this isn't the life of Jesus, but that they're saying we are humbly submitting this for how it goes. And again, mm. the this is basically off of what they have put out in the world. <laughs> right. So, you know. It also strikes me that there is something about the fact that the Gospels themselves are essentially narrative structures rather than propositional structures that makes this work. I mean, in in yeah. some sense, God's Not Dead is as, as though— perhaps at a somewhat less brilliant level, with no offense to the authors thereof, but as though one were trying to make Romans into a movie, the famed epistle from the Apostle Paul to the Romans into a movie. That right. just—that wouldn't work very well, and it would not make very good art. You might make some interesting things out of it, but it would not make very good art, because right. it's a set of propositions, and they're some of the most powerful propositions the world has ever known, but— Mm-hmm. They're a set of propositions, and by contrast, the Gospels are inherently narrative-shaped. They're, they're narratives. They are stories, and they're collections of stories that are built up to tell a bigger story. And in that sense, they accord perfectly with the goal of storytelling in a movie. And I think that's one of the other reasons— I think that's the yeah. reason why you can have this kind of humble, here's our take on this story. It's because there's a story to have a take on. Well, I mean, I, I agree entirely, but I think there's something to be said that the Son of God is being treated very differently than the Passion of the Christ. And part that's of this, true. yes, is because of, part of this is because of, you know, certain people are not involved with the Son <laughs> of God who were involved with God, the Passion of the Christ. But, off. Uh, but I was, okay, anyway. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> What, but I don't think it's just that Mel Gibson was involved with the passion, nor that it was having, you know, trying to have this very visceral effect. I think right. it was, was really trying to, to be big, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it wanted to be very large. Um, and for everything that the Son of God has going for it, um, one of the things that I haven't seen a lot of is, 
you know, advertising for it. Yeah, like, I'm that's in true. spaces where where I would see ads if they were going on an all out media blitz on this and they're really not. So, you know, at least as in comparison to the passion, which everybody knew was coming far in advance. Right. So in that way, it feels a little bit less like a Hollywood kind of biopic and more like Christians trying to make a good version of things, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's so, fair, and I think that's an important point. And while I made the joke about Mel Gibson, it was it was just that, a joke. I think Gibson's intent was good, whatever we may say about the fellow and whatever we may say about how the passion turned out. Right. I think part of the other thing that's going on there is the passion for all that included some elements of the rest of the life of Christ. It was focused around that very specific event, and— I would argue for a lot of reasons that that very specific event is hard to make sense of by itself. And so yeah. that that's another way in which it has a very different structure from what Son of God is trying to do. Son of God is trying to tell a much bigger picture story. Passion was yeah. zooming in on the end of the story. And while that was viscerally effective, I think it makes for worse art. Though yeah. some might argue that you know, you ended up having higher cinematographical qualities in it or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, making a Jesus film is a once every 10 or 20 years event, you know? Right. It's just, a, it's a thing that we do in our culture that reminds us Christian wise of, you know, this is still relevant to us. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of an artifact in the, in the Hollywood world that this has happened. So don't try to do this for another couple of years. And, <laughs> You know, right. I mean, it's it's a thing like the Jesus film and then even, you know, Cecil B. DeMille, like I referenced earlier, was did the, you know, the Jesus film in the 30s or whenever it right. was. So but anyway, um, that that is what I think distinguishes, you know, Son of God from both God's Not Dead and The Passion is just this kind of desire to um, be smaller. Uh, with no, not meaning that in any derogatory sense at all, but in no. a, you know, pray, in, a, in a celebratory sort of sense that mm -hmm. they really just wanted to submit this humbly, as humbly as you can submit a large theater-wide release, you know? Right. So, so what about Noah, then, which is, in in that particular oh sense, gosh. exactly the opposite? I mean, it is yeah. Hollywood, big bang cinema to a T, yeah, well, I want to go see it really badly because of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly my reaction, too. You've got angels yeah. with flaming swords and six arms and yeah. Noah fighting Big off floods. people trying to get to the ark and lots yes. of things that are, Giraffes. of course, not a... <laughs> Zebras, right. hopefully dragons and dinosaurs. And Hermione. Maybe, I mean, even. I mean, Emma Watson. <laughs> Poor Emma Watson, but that's a story for another day. Um yeah, no, I mean, this is what has intrigued me ever since I first saw um, a trailer for Noah on um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is also a wonderful, excellent mm -hmm. film that I commend to you highly. Um, but it's, it, I've just been intrigued by Darren Aronofsky, is known as an mm -hmm. edgy filmmaker. Like, I was surprised that he wanted to take on Noah. I read a little bit about it. Like, clearly he has been invested and interested in the story for a long time like right this is something that he really wants to do for artistic merit like he's not doing it to you know make a statement about um you know jesus christ or 
um, at least as far as the the trailer is going. Um, <laughs> maybe he's calculating it to draw evangelicals in. Who knows? But as far as the trailer goes, this is set up to be an artistic interpretation of something that happened in the Bible. Right. And in, Which I think is awesome. Yeah, and it's worth noting that th- that word interpretation is very much important in this case. It's clearly aimed at being an interpretation, not a strict reproduction of the narrative. He's clearly elaborating enormously on what we actually have in right. these four chapters that, of Genesis. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to make the movie interesting and also what's mm-hmm. going to make some evangelicals be like, what just happened to my face? Right. What just happened in front of my eyes? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so I think that's I think there will be some consternation in the wringing of hands. But I am I am well and thoroughly ready to be like, please let us let us all just calm down and enjoy that there was a biblical movie. I know it wasn't perfect. Wasn't trying to be. Let's right. just be happy that Noah and the Ark was being treated as at the very least a myth worth being interested in. Like right. that's at the very base level that Aronofsky can possibly be taking it because he doesn't seem like he's trying to mock it. Um from everything I've read about him and from everything I've read about the the movie and from the trailer. It does not seem like he's trying to mock the Bible or the story of Noah. It seems like he's genuinely interested in this as a story. Now, for Christians, we believe it is more than a story um, because it's, you know, incorporated in the Bible. Um, but, you know, at the very least, Farinovsky, this is a story and it's going to be told as well as he can tell it visually and script-wise. Right. And there's an argument among a lot of evangelicals that, well, you can't improve on the original. And, you know, in one sense, I absolutely affirm that that is true. I I think whatever changes are made here, and no doubt there will be plenty, will not be better than the original if we assume that the original is, you know, true. But at the same time, I want to acknowledge that there are... There are places when we are working on art like this where artistic license can be useful. Uh, And there's a really fine line to walk here as Christians dealing especially with the subject matter of the Bible. You know, it's one thing, there's a lot more flexibility when you're dealing with subject matter that's outside the Bible because you don't But there's also something to be said for that we don't know if Aronofsky is a Christian or not. Right. Right, and so that's exactly from, from the that point angle, I was going to make. Yeah, okay, roll with it. I was just going to say, as Christians, we can come with you know, a hypercritical attitude that says, this thing did not perfectly follow, and let's be honest, what we really mean is, this thing did not perfectly follow my understanding of the text. Sometimes <laughs> we mean the text, because, yeah. well, let's be honest, we don't know of any flaming angels in the Noah text, and there certainly is no recording of giant armies rushing the boat, which we have just in the trailer. But hey, at the but same it could time, have happened. It, it that's right. It, a lot of what I've seen in the trailers, and I will be curious to see what the movie itself looks like, is very much in that this could have happened, and it just wasn't on the page. And right, we don't have as Christians, we do not have to affirm that this thing is on the same level as Holy Writ, and that this has the 
inspiration of God behind it to say, hey, that was a pretty good movie that respected the biblical text on which it was based. Yeah, it took some liberties. And yeah, here are some places where if we're talking with others who aren't Christians, we want to say, you know, it didn't really go quite like that. But yeah. th- there's a long but, line between those, and we can still appreciate it as a work of art. Yeah, and what's fascinating is that in inspiring conversation about the gospel and about Christianity more widely, something like Noah is going to be more effective mm-hmm. in talking to people who are outside the community, um, whether they be you know of other faiths or you know atheist agnostic or searching or whatever you want to call these sorts of. Of, of people who aren't within a, you know, Christian community. And even within a Christian community, if you have, like, different denominations or, yep. you know, whatever sort of, of thing that you're, you're – that isn't you, essentially. Um, if you, you, you watch something like Noah, there's a lot more there to grapple with and talk about and, you know, kind of process with than something like The Son of God or God's Not Dead – where it's just like, oh, either you agree with that entirely or you're done. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so, and I don't mean that to say that there's not going to be anything to talk about in Son of God, because clearly there will be. There's been something that we've been talking about for the last 2,000 years. But the point is that there, there are topics, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about, you know, the, uh, the ACA and um, abortion and things like that, that there's... There are some ways that you can talk about things that are just more open to discussion mm-hmm. from everyone than than you know some topics that are just kind of foreclosed already by dint of having already been run through the mill a zillion times. Right. So, so that's what's fascinating to me about Noah. And in the same breath, we were talking in that very conversation about the fact that how you go about those conversations matters. It strikes me that in some sense, the moment you set out for your film to be tracked-like, the moment you set out for your film to be ultimately evangelistic— To make people talk about it. Right. Is the, that's the moment in which you're undercutting that very— aim whereas if you go out and you make a great piece of art to make a great piece of art you're actually going to have that other effect but it's in aiming at that other effect that you lose it and you know one of the things that you and i talk about a lot offline and that we'll come back to a lot when we talk about art in future episodes of winning slowly is the reality that human beings are creative by nature as part of the way that we reflect the image of god Our creativity in and of itself is valuable in the same way that our work in and of itself is valuable. It doesn't have to be ministerial to be valuable. And so you you don't have to talk up your friends at work. You don't have to talk up your your art like you can just make art. That's right. You can just go to work. And so as Christians— I think we need to be more mindful of the fact that just making good art is in and of itself honoring to and glorifying of God, regardless of whether anybody gets converted by it. And one of the really strange ironies of life is that oftentimes when we are going about it with that angle, those are the times when we're making the kinds of art that will produce the kinds of conversations that we want to have that when we aim at them directly often don't happen in the sense of art. And, and that's not to say 
that we're we're knocking any sort of tract like event because God works in all ways. We are not foreclosing <laughs> God from being able to use God's not dead in the ways that He wants to use it. But specifically in the terms of creating art, mm-hmm. when we aim to create art in a certain way, then we sometimes get you know heaven thrown in, as uh, Rich Mullins like to say. Um, but if you're aiming to put a tract into the art world, that's when you're going to lose its value as art. Um, and it might still be a supremely effective tract, and it might even, you know, be used by the Lord to bring people to himself. That is that is not outside the bounds of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But just purely as a, uh, you know, art piece, making art for God's sake, which kind of looks like art for art's sake, you know, that's where it's at in terms of Christian art, not Christian, comma, art. Right. And I think that delineation is the one that we really want to keep. The tracks are not mm-hmm. bad. I have tracks in my car so that I can talk to people about Jesus if the opportunity arises and give them something so that they can remember what we've talked about. Because goodness yeah. knows I can babble. But mm-hmm. I also have books that are not tracts that I love to read and that are by Christians and that are Christian art in the truest sense of the word, but that are not Christian comma art. Yeah. No, there's, there's a, there's a big distinction between art being made by Christians and art that is trying to serve a Christian end. And and, I think and we have to clarify carefully what we mean by a Christian end in that sense, because, of course, right. as Christians, our end that we're aiming with all art is the glory of God. And that, that that's not what Stephen's meaning here, I know, but rather right. that we're trying to accomplish some sociologically pro-Christian goal. Yeah. Yep. And this is just the start of a conversation that we'll be having through various episodes, because this is part of the reason that we wanted to start winning slowly is to be able to have these conversations. So I think the big takeaway that we're saying here is that there's more than one way to think about what we do in video format. And there's more than one way to think about what we do as art and figuring out how those pieces fit together is not trivial. But it is worth doing. And so we're going to keep working at it. Yep. Yep. This has been episode six in our season zero. And boy, are we still in beta of winning slowly. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we are. And uh, our podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Um, Please don't copy and paste. Please do copy and remix. Until next time, I have been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Stephen Caradini, and we'll see you next time.